Welcome to Season 5 of the Excel Still More Podcast. I'm still your host, Chris Emerson, and I'm here to encourage you in your walk with the Lord, and I'm glad you've joined. The program continues to be sponsored by Cunningham Financial Group. John is a good friend, and he's helped me and my family in everything from stock and mutual fund investing to annuities, life insurance, and retirement planning. I certainly commend him to you if you have needs in any of those areas. You can reach him at 205 205- 3267364. Thank you again for your ongoing encouragement and support. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back today. If you tuned in last week, then you know exactly where we're going. In what is coming together to be two separate episodes, I'm asking you one thing. What is your no line? I mean, what has to happen? What has to be present? What has to be at stake? in order for you to say no to something that many other people are saying yes to. Last week, we asked that question in the context of just daily life decisions, relatively amoral things. We're not talking about immorality and things like that. We're just talking about the way you spend or keep or share your money, the way you accumulate or distribute things, the way you use your most precious commodity, time, and the way you clear or fill or allocate your schedule. We're asking, are there some occasions where you have to say no to something because it doesn't service your goals? Or saying yes to that thing, which isn't inherently sinful, would take you off mission for other things that are more important. Are you clear enough on your purpose and your identity that while in America you could say yes to nearly anything, In fact, the American dream is largely built on having pretty much everything, yet for you, it is not consistent with what happened when you died for Christ. In that episode, I tried not to be super specific, and certainly I wasn't trying to create categories for you, but everything from the job you choose or the recreational things you and your family are involved in, in all areas of life, Do the things that are demanding your family's attention have to clear at least a hurdle or two before we run headlong into it? Now, I'll stop there. I won't take the whole episode reviewing last week, but I do want to say thank you to some really great feedback that I got. Last week for me was really busy. I had a lot to do here, and then I was headed out of town for the weekend, and I sat down with very little time to record. I basically just kind of put it on record, listened to it one time, and walked away. And so from a creator's standpoint, when you put out something like that, you think, well, that's it. The gig is up. Every single listener is going to say at the exact same time, well, Chris is phoning it in now. I'm never going to listen again. And yet, I think we had the most attention and sharing that we've had the entire year. We both know it was not the excellent quality of the content, but I do think it was the potency of the idea. All of us as Christians want to filter our lives better. All of us read this idea of strangers and aliens and sacrifice and wonder, like, how different are we from first century Christians? I was telling a friend on the phone today that I feel like if first century Christians time traveled here, they would head to like a Mennonite community, straighten up a few doctrinal things, and camp there. Sometimes I just feel so far from that that I need to stop and reevaluate my life and ask better questions. And that's what we did last week. Summer and I are continuing to do that together, and I'm glad that you are as well. 
Now, this most absolutely services where we're going today because I'm still asking you and your family members and friends to ask the same question, what is your no line except the specific category are moral faith decisions? So this falls more in line with the conversation that I was having with our teenagers a few weeks ago where I gave them this card, which I'll talk to you about more at the end, that has across the top, shall we dance, party, or view? And what follows are a series of questions that you have to be asking yourself. I did not stand in front of 30 high school students and list out every potential Lindell dance, the ones you can and cannot attend, every potential type of party and where a Christian will and will not be, and every ounce of content on Netflix and what you may or may not watch. Now, sure, I have convictions about that, and I have guards in place where I'm saying no at a point in some of those areas that is far short of that moment where it turns to sin. And honestly, I want those teenagers to get there as well, but they weren't going to get there by me telling them which route to choose. So what follows on that card are five questions, not bare-bone binary questions like, is this sinful or is it not? Most of us know pretty well where that line is when it comes to immorality or drunkenness or the like. But if that's the only thing you're concerned about, then you're setting yourself up for failure. So instead, we tried to get them to ask better questions, and I'll read all of those for you in just a few minutes. Okay, before we get into all of that, I have to tell you about a friend of mine. He is one of my best friends in the entire world. He's been inner circle for me since we were about 14 years old. So he's about my age, but he has gone through some scary health issues and problems in recent years, and he knows 100% that he needs to change his life. For him, that means diet, no doubt about it. Here are the things he needs to eat, and here is how frequently or infrequently he needs to eat them, and then here is a whole list of things that for him are killing him. He needs to stop eating. I'm not going to be specific on what those foods are. This is not a diet episode, but just understand he is very clear about this. But he has a rather interesting discipline dynamic. On days that he is eating, and I mean eating anything, he finds it very hard to eat the right things. He can get up on the right track, eat when he's supposed to and what he's supposed to, and by the afternoon, he sees some nachos and off he goes. He and I text pretty much every day. We're that close. And I'm like, dude, just eat this and don't eat that. That's it. Take it one day at a time. But he really struggles with that. However, he has discipline within him that I do not. Whenever he is fasting, he can go days without eating anything. Last week, he fasted for 110 hours. That's over four and a half days. He ate throughout the weekend, and now, as I'm recording this, I'm pretty sure he's right at about 112 hours as we speak. Oddly enough, and I may not be remembering this right, but Dave, it's already out there, so what are you going to do? I think in those three days in between where he was eating, he actually had some nachos. And yet, like I said, hasn't eaten in the last five days, and no problem. Now look, I do not understand that. He does not understand that, but he is using it to his advantage. He's saying, look, until I get a few very crucial things under control, I'm going to fast four or five days a week, and then I'll kind of battle it over the weekend, and I'll continue doing this until I get the results that I need or until it helps me build enough momentum towards this that I do better on the weekends. And while it sounds like a great strategy, I cannot even understand it. I think I've fasted 24 hours maybe three times in my life, and I forgot my name. I didn't even know where I was. 
So what he is doing is absolutely, in my book, extreme. But it certainly does demonstrate something that can attach itself to understanding radical Christianity and why many of us end up falling into the same traps over and over that we're trying, seemingly, so hard not to. Some of us just aren't good at moderation. We're not good at getting close. When we get close, we go all the way. Some of us start down a path. We know there's a stop sign, but we just can't quit. Now, I know in his story, it's eating, which he's going to have to figure out at some point. You just can't eat three days a week. And he knows that. And so he's just doing this for a time in an extreme way to set up future success. But I'm here to tell you this may be the kind of approach you need in some areas of your life that you most definitely can live without. I'm talking about areas where you can draw a no line way before things fall over the edge. But as we talk about a few of them today, you may be like, no way. That would be like giving up food for four days. To which I would say, no, it's not. You're just a little bit addicted to things of this world. And secondly, hey, my buddy did it. You can do it too. Let me give you a working example. Let's talk about Netflix. Let's say you and I agree that watching TVMA stuff on Netflix, which now has practically every form of profanity and nudity and everything else, is not right. If you're not somebody who thinks like that, I've got an example for you in a moment. But let's start with that. It's possible that you are pretty good at self-control and moderation, and you can have Netflix in your home, and you can watch it every night and just not watch those shows. Your no line is, I'm not going to watch those shows and you have no problem keeping it. But what if that is not you? Or maybe there are other people in your family who do not have that strength. And as long as it's there, you or they eventually find your way into it. They keep crossing their no line. What's the problem? They set the line far too close to the sin. How about this? We just cancel Netflix. We take this TVMA stuff off the table. Now, you may be like, no way. I would lose so much stuff. There are shows that I like to watch. There are a lot of things my family enjoys. That is not the right move. That is far too extreme. But doesn't it alarm you a little bit that you love it so much that even though you're getting too close and you're falling victim to it, you just can't get rid of it? And I'm not even making this episode about all of the good things you could be doing instead. I'm not like, hey, you should get rid of Netflix because you can use all of those hours reading things that are really good for you or spending time with your family. That's not even this episode. I'm just asking if you have a no line that is placed somewhere that can nearly guarantee a good result or at least cater to the way your discipline works in a way that nearly guarantees those results. It's kind of like my buddy and his fasting. That is not the way for me to get results. I would go crazy by day two. But for him, abstinence, full categorical abstinence, is powerful. Maybe you're someone, just to revisit this, who watches some TVMA stuff and you think it's fine. Your line is, you can't say those words yourself and you can't think those lustful things. You can watch it as long as you don't imitate it. Look, I'm not here to get on to you about that. This is about assessing your process, not so much about a thumbs up or a thumbs down. However, Dr. Phil might ask you, how's that working out for you? Have you noticed some of those words popping up in your life? Spoken under your breath when you get upset? Do some of those images endure? Have they infiltrated the way you think? If so, I've got news for you. Your no line is in a really bad place. 
If your no line is, I can't think on these things and speak these things, and yet you are doing that, then you have to back up and say, wait, I've got the line in the wrong place. I need to think differently about protecting myself and my family, even if it means giving up things that I think are so important. Because in the end, you and I know that actually they're not. I want to talk to you about a few passages of Scripture and then read those five questions and we'll be done today. But let me quickly add this. Launch day for this episode is Monday, October the 9th. Yesterday on the 8th, I preached the Your No Line Normal Life Decisions from last week. I preached that in the morning. And then Sunday night, I preached on this exact topic where we spent a lot more time excavating these passages. So just remember, you can go to YouTube, Lindale Church of Christ, and you can follow along in the study. In the morning lesson, which was the sort of amoral life decisions category, we looked at 1 Corinthians 7 about defying assimilation into our culture lest we become weak, 1 Peter about being strangers and aliens, Ephesians 5 about managing our time and making sure it's allocated wisely, and then 2 Peter chapter 3 about living for judgment, like really making all sorts of life decisions preparing to meet our Lord. But in the PM, which is the episode today, I went a little bit of a different direction. We spent some time in Ephesians chapter 5, where it talked about immorality and greed and all of this stuff that you and I would agree should not exist in the life of a Christian. And we were given two charges in Ephesians 5. One is to not even have such things named among you. It's not just about if I'm doing them. It's about, am I associating myself with them? Am I connected to them in the eyes of others or in the eyes of God. We are also charged in that text to shine the light of truth on those dark things that others are doing. And sure, you might argue, hey, I need to be around some of those questionable things if I'm going to shine a light on it. And by the way, that was a question by one of our high school students. How can I shine if I don't go to this party? And my thing was, you can't be at a place where nobody wants to hear the truth, and most of their intentions is to go way too far and try to turn people towards the gospel. Speak to those people, speak to them about the things that they're doing, but do it in what we called a neutral situation. Don't talk to them on Friday night at midnight at somebody's house with drinking everywhere. Talk to them Monday morning at school. We also looked at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-10 through 10 that said the time has already passed for us to live like this world. And yeah, he talked about drunkenness. That's a line we all know about. But then he talked about things like carousing and drinking parties, which seem to literally be saying your no line can't be drunkenness. It has to have a lot more figured into it than that. He explained the world will not understand. You can't do everything the world understands without becoming like the world. Christ did things the world did not understand, and it cost him dearly, but he knew his identity, and he knew his purpose, and he knew who he served. And so this kind of cycles back to this idea of, are we willing to sacrifice anything? Are we trying to say yes to everything the world does and just draw some firm red lines of sin right at the edge of the paper? I'm starting to wonder if that is the goal, and that's what we're trying to get out of this, if we're not already across the line. And then finally, we finished off in Romans chapter 13, verses 12 through 14, and I do need to read this for you. The Bible says this, The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, 
not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. The card that I handed out last night at services has this verse written out on it. It's really powerful. It talks about the daylight and walking in the light and putting on the armor of light. It says there are three categories of things that have to be a no for you. There's just no way to walk as a Christian if they're yeses. One of them is carousing and drunkenness, a lot of undisciplined and dangerous sinful behavior. One of the categories is sexual promiscuity and sensuality, which we know to be lust and fornication and adultery. And the other, which is getting less run today, but probably needs equal consideration, is strife and jealousy, bitterness and gossip and all that junk. The Apostle Paul did not finish the section by saying, just make sure not to do any of that. He said, you've put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and that means make no provision for those things. That word provision means exactly what you think it means. Don't provide for them. We know we're commanded not to do those things, but God goes further and commands us not to provide for them. Don't make them socially acceptable. Don't promote them, even if it's passively so. Certainly, don't become a people who try to extract everything around them you can, as long as you don't do this one thing. If you do not want these sins living in your life, then give them no oxygen, no opportunity. Make no provisions. Now, it may be that that's my hardest job with you today, convincing you that that is just as important to God as the act itself, getting you to see that the way you protect yourself from those things, the way you protect your friends and your family from those things, where you draw your no lines is being evaluated by God with every bit the gravity of the ultimate decisions themselves. Now, I get it. And the high school students in the room the other day got it too. What we're talking about is extremely counter-culture. In some ways, it's even counter-Christian culture, which is why I keep bringing it up. This idea that I want my high school student to get to do every single thing that every other high school student gets to do, to go do everything as long as they don't do these five things over here that they shouldn't do. And then the parent is shocked when they do them. And then we grow up and we're that way as adults. I should have everything everybody else has. I should get to watch the things and see the things and go to the things so long as I don't let it get too far. And again, if Jesus and a bunch of his first century disciples walked in the room and heard me say that, I'm just kind of picturing this strange look on his face. Like maybe I didn't hear him clearly when he said that I must deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. I haven't talked a lot about him today, but I'm guaranteeing you he's worth it. Whatever you say no to, to say yes to Jesus, whatever you sacrifice to move far away from you, even if it's not technically a sin, so that you can assure that you are in fellowship with him and you can add in things in its place that you know glorify him, well, to the child of God, it's an honor. So let me finish with these five questions. They do somewhat pertain to what's on the card. Shall we go to this dance? Shall we attend this party? Shall we view this entertainment? I have the verse there, Romans 13, and then five questions. Number one, will this promote or encourage drinking, unholy behavior, or compromising circumstances? Will this open the door to or make more accessible sexual sin, fornication, or adultery? Will this place immodesty? indecent movements, 
or questionable contact right in front of me? Will this become an unnecessary situation where I may send a confusing message about living for Jesus? Or number five, will this be something that I feel safe about, but that I would openly admit would be dangerous for others? Now, I will type those up in the show notes for you, and if you can find a way to reach out to me, I'll just send you the PDF. But what I hope that you see is that we're asking better questions, or at least preliminary questions, before we get to, is this sin or not? I'm asking about what you're promoting, what your decision encourages, what it opens the door to, what becomes instantly more accessible, what puts something right in front of you that you know doesn't need to be there. Will this create a difficult situation that honestly is unnecessary? I know it might be embarrassing to pass on that, or people might talk about you, or you won't be getting everything out of the world that everyone else is getting. But can you look through that and say, for the sake of holiness, this is really unnecessary? And then lastly, if it's something you feel fine about, can you speak for your family? Do you have things that you do in your life that aren't blatant violation of direct commands, but that you would certainly not advise other Christians to do? In fact, in a weird twist, you might actually look down on them if they did. Ooh, that may be a juicy episode. I may have to get to that at some point. But as we close today, I'm not coming at you. I'm not trying to make you change the way you do things. I just want to know, as God watches you live carrying his name, are you asking the right questions? And are you asking them for the right Christ-centered reasons? Because if you are, you will make some hard decisions. But with great courage, exactly where it needs to be, you will draw your no line. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you enjoyed this program, will you share it with someone you care about? One thing I've learned over these five seasons is that there's nothing as powerful in advertising as word of mouth sharing between friends. Speaking of friends, let me once again commend you to give John Cunningham a call. He and his team have a wide variety of tools to help you use your present budget and life to build towards a more secure and hopeful financial future. Once again, you can reach him at 205-326-7364. And always remember, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still more.